The first two years after I graduated from seminary were two of the hardest years of my spiritual life. When I went to seminary, as I was preparing to go, I told God that I had an idea of where I wanted to go and where I didn't want to go. And on the no thank you list was the Midwest. But when I arrived at my seminary for prospective student days, within hours, I was clear that I was supposed to be there. And I said, listen, I don't like casseroles. I would rather be in New York. I would have been in seminary with Nathan. But alas, I ended up in the place where I belonged and it was like I was swimming with the current. It was for sure the place I was called to be. It was affirming and it was a place to grow and develop and I got to do this alongside people who were lovely and wonderful and you know, also growing um, in all the um, lovely and hard ways that, that it's a, a little bit like um, church middle school. <laughs> but it was good, it was good. It was a really affirming time and, and one of the spiritual highs of my life. And then I graduated and it's an anxious time when you're about to graduate and move on from a place. And I interviewed here and there, and I interviewed in two places at the end that were um, not the right place. But when each of them called me, I had to discern between these two, and I really could have talked to God a little bit more and said, where am I supposed to go? But I was anxious and I was scared and I was afraid that I would be stuck in Chicago like so many people who had trouble launching after seminary. And so I picked the place that was less not right. <laughs> when I got there, it was hard. It was a really hard call. It was a mismatch and I knew that when I was going there and I still went. And what I didn't know in seminary, I'm not sure I was ever conscious of this, but for me, my primary prayer time was the time after I received communion, when I was kneeling and praying, when the whole house is sort of shuffling and everybody's coming forward, when sometimes there's music, when toddlers are finally loosed from their parents' arms and stopped being shushed because there is enough movement to cover that noise. This was the time when nothing was organized and nothing was, when I wasn't told what to do, this was the time that I was able to pray. And it was 10 minutes, it was the 10 minutes of my life, my spiritual praying life, when I got the whole banquet. And then I was ordained. And once I was ordained, I realized that I now have a job to do during communion, and I have a job to do the whole time. <laughs> and when I'm done with my job, we all stand up and do the next prayer, and we do the blessing, and then it is done. So I'm in this call that is not the right call for me. Me and my boss, we did not connect. I should have known that. I should have listened to the Spirit, but it just wasn't the right place for me. And it was something like swimming upstream. 
where this wasn't quite working and this wasn't quite working. We weren't quite making enough or we weren't quite spending our money the right way and so it was, money was tight and that was hard. And then we started trying to build our family and it didn't work out, not great on the way out, not at the beginning. And so I had a miscarriage and then I had another miscarriage. And I started going to my spiritual director and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm struggling. I don't, I don't know what to do. I, I've lost my prayer time. Everything feels hard. It feels like everything I'm doing is just hard. Where's God? And my spiritual director was a lovely man. Um, and he sat and listened to my tears month after month. And he was so kind and I would, like most of us, I think, I would cry and I'd say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but I'd keep crying because life was just so much in that moment. And one day he started saying to me and he got a little bit more persistent as time went on, Shannon, you gotta find somewhere else to pray. The first time I was like, sure, whatever. Yeah, blah, 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 I'm crying. Um, but as time went on, I started to challenge him back. What do you mean I have to find another place to pray? Where? How am I gonna do that? I'm working. Do you know what I do? <laughs> he said, you've gotta walk or you've gotta to go to another church. I'm like, another church? Do you know what I do on Sundays? Go find a place to find God again. Eventually, I was let go from that position. I was let go when I was six and a half months pregnant, which was very, very, very hard. Um, and <laughs> in the midst of the struggle, of the chaos, of the grief, I went to Diablo. That church was in the shadow of Mount Diablo in California, and I drove all the way to the top. Mount Diablo is this weird, it's a, it's a really interesting spot in the Bay Area. It's like nothing I've ever seen, it's arid, and um, it was the first place that I'd ever seen manzanita trees, um, which have these really hard red, um, I don't know, stalks, or uh, they're somewhere between a tree and a bush. Um, and so it's got this really strong, gnarly red foundation around which there is foliage. foliage. And also, um, we learned this in our kitchen, but Mount Diablo is one of the main breeding grounds of the North American brown tarantula. <laughs> That's a fun thing to learn in your kitchen. So, and, uh, on the, t well, all around there are these rock formations, these beautiful rock formations that are wind blown. And um, there's, you get out of your car and you are assailed with wind. It's just windy. And it's this alien landscape. And the wind blows through these rocks, these um, tunnels and little cubbies and all of that. And it makes this weird, uncomfortable moaning sound but it all sort of makes sense and it's all kind of overwhelming. And I stood up, stood up on Mount Diablo and I screamed at God, where are you? 
I stand up week after week telling people that God is with you in the worst moments, and I haven't seen you in weeks. Where are you? I am suffering. Don't you see? I did all the right things. I did all the right things. We even waited two years after we got married. We did it perfectly, and nothing is working, and I'm so mad at you. I did this for you. Why aren't you showing up for me? I wonder if Jesus was struggling too when he went up that mountain. We know where we are liturgically is this gospel shows up here on purpose because this is the moment when Jesus is about to go into the end of his ministry. So he's just told his disciples that he's, that what's coming, that he's gonna suffer, that he's going on trial, that he will be executed. And Peter says, no, 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 no. That's not gonna happen, we'll protect you. And Jesus calls him Satan and tells him to get behind him. And then six days later, Jesus takes Peter and James and John and they go up the mountain to pray. Do you think Jesus was up there screaming in the wind? I don't know, I don't know. We believe that Jesus is fully human and it is fully human to be scared. So Jesus goes up the mountain and his clothes are transformed into something that is is impossible. They're bleached whiter than any bleach can do. And all of a sudden there are Moses and Elijah And Peter and James and John don't really know what to do. They're terrified, it says. And Jesus has a conversation with Moses and with Elijah. And then a cloud comes, a great cloud. And from the cloud says, this is my son. Listen to him. And then the cloud dissipates. And Moses and Elijah are gone. Deborah Krauss talks about how this in this is from the book of Mark. We're in a Mark here. And the book of Mark ends really abruptly. Now, somebody has done us the favor of adding an ending to this story um, that may or may not have existed at some time. But what we have on the, I think it's called the second ending. What we have in the second ending is sort of a, a nice, pretty wrap-up. But the way that the book of Mark actually ends is... Jesus is executed. The women wait until the morning. They go to the tomb. It's empty. They're terrified. And the angel says, go to Galilee. Jesus will meet you there. And that's it. We don't get any more of the resurrection in Mark. That's why on Easter we do John. (laughs) Doesn't quite work. Um, But Deborah Krause talks about how the resurrection story of Mark is in the middle. It's in the middle in the transfiguration, in this beautiful moment when Jesus is, the the word transfigure in Merriam-Webster says that it means to transform into something more beautiful or to elevate. Jesus is transformed, is elevated before his friends and maybe for himself too because he's gone there knowing that what's coming is bad. It's going to be scary. Jesus also knows that it's gonna be okay.
because he's the son of God and he is fully God, fully human and fully divine, right? He knows it's going to be okay, but he knows there's going to be suffering between now and Easter, right? So he's gone up the mountain to pray and the spirit has come among them to reassure Jesus that he is on the right path. This is my son, listen to him. And Peter and James and John, in all their human basicness, in all their messy everything, they get to see it too. They get to be a part of it too. They get to be there as Jesus is affirmed. And the Spirit says, yes, you're on the right track. Keep going. For me, the end of my distance from God, or at least that one, came after I lost my job. My husband and I, without, when my husband lost his job also that year while I was still pregnant. So 2008, many of you lost your jobs or worse in that time. So there we were, uh, shocked and sitting with my very pregnant belly and Ryan's sister called and she said, honey, do you need a place to live? And we said, yes. And so we had our baby and my father-in-law came and got a, a, a trailer and he moved. We put all our stuff in there and baby, dogs, cat in our tiny little scion. And we drove and we ended up, the reason that we are here in Oregon is because my sister-in-law lived in Sherwood and we moved in with her and my non-religious sister-in-law and brother-in-law, they took us in, they cared for us, they healed us. When I had my son, my relationship with God changed. There's, uh, there's not words for this. Um, you've heard the words, they're corny, they're a little cringy, because there's no words to describe this. And the way they come out is, um, feels saccharine sometimes. So I don't have words to describe how having a baby changed my relationship with the one who created me and with the humans that created me, but it was different from then on. But it didn't change the fact that I felt like I still couldn't pray, like I still couldn't hear God talk back. And still, in little ways, it felt like moving to Oregon changed the tide. And I wasn't swimming upstream so much. Almost as soon as I got here, I knew that Oregon was home. I thought for, I mean forever, I left Anchorage where I grew up to go to college and I thought nowhere will ever feel like home and dear God, I don't wanna move back to Alaska. So, um, I love Alaska, but um, I don't want to be there. Anyway, um, I really thought that nothing would ever feel like home again. And I, the day after we got here, I knew that Oregon was home. I, I, again, not, not a thing I can put words to. Um, it's also corny and blah. Anyway, but it was home. And slowly, slowly, it wasn't easy. I was still swimming, but I was starting to swim with the current again. 
And it just happened because the Holy Spirit is awesome. The bishop here at the time, we were in an in-between time, and the bishop here was somebody who was a friend and a mentor. And he said, come and talk to me. And I did. And <coughs> he, started sending, <laughs> excuse me. he started sending me out to parishes that were, <coughs> were vacant or just needed somebody for a Sunday. And I started working here in Oregon and in the Diocese of Olympia where I came from. And little by little, I started to say, are, are you there? Are we gonna do this still? At that point, I wasn't sure that I would still be a priest. I wasn't, the, the church is, it's hard for the church to have an imagination for somebody in the in-between time. I think that's probably true in the wider professional world. So I didn't know. I didn't know where I was gonna end up. And one day at the church that I ended up serving, I was filling in, they were between priests, and I, was, I had set the table and they were passing, passing the offering plate. And so I was waiting. And while I waited, this is weird. I heard the spirit, it wasn't words, it was just love. I know, corny, right, you hear it? But it was there, and I knew, I knew. I didn't know I would be a priest there, but I knew that I was gonna be a priest going forward. Professionally paid, I know we're all priests forever, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, and then I found that I had a new time to pray. Oh my gosh, you're back. It's not the same, it's not every week. Um, I'm still working during that time. Um, but there it is, this moment when we can talk again. Sometimes the swim is so hard and I don't believe in a God that punishes us. I don't, I don't, I can't, I cannot imagine a God that says, I called you to this and you didn't do it, so I'm gonna punish you with this. I don't think that that's what it was. But I know that when I'm on the right track, the swimming is a little bit easier. And it's a little bit more obvious. And, the call, the movement, the current brought me here. And I am not sorry. I am clear. I am clear that St. Edward's is the right place for me. And I am clear that Trinity is the right place for me in this moment. The swimming isn't easy. It's still work. But I am clear that I am with the current now. It's, it's, good, it's good learning. It's good knowledge. It's good experience of the world, right? We see this for our kids where you see that your kids are struggling and you wanna say, hang in there, buddy. I know, I know it's so hard right now. It's gonna get better. And this was my spiritual growth, right? It's so hard, but it got better. And now when it gets hard again, I know, I know that these almost always end with these and vice versa. So if you are there, if you are swimming upstream, 
I'm going to be corny again. Know that God has a call for you. It might be to the priesthood. Um, It is for a handful of us. But you are called to do a thing too. To be a person too. To be... And you know what? Remember, Peter, James, and John, messy, right? They were um, not qualified. And... um, Remember that in a couple weeks, we're going to, I mean, just wait till you see what Peter gets up to. Um, We're not going to do it right every time. And sometimes we're going to find ourselves in that channel swimming the wrong direction. But sometimes, and if you do, try going to Diablo. Just kidding, don't go there. It's lovely, though. Mount Diablo is lovely, if you have time. Sometimes we have to stop and take a breath and look around and find our bearings and find our way to God again. May you, may we find ourselves swimming the right direction. Amen.